Today we're going to be talking about uh, fanning the flame of the gift of God, which was in uh, the heart of Timothy, just into well, fanning that, those coals into flame, that gift uh, into flame. What does that mean and what is, how does all of that work? And we're going to talk about the fire of God burning in the earth today. So many times we are afraid of fire. We think of the judgment of God and we are so afraid. So today I'm going to talk about that fire in the life of Timothy and it's really going to bless you. Now we're going to start off by um, reading from a passage that I spoke on last week as well and just explain a little bit more about that. Uh, Luke 12 verse 49 reads as follows. It says, I've come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already ablaze. I've come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already ablaze. I have a baptism, a baptism to be baptized with, and what stress I am under until it be uh, completed or accomplished. Do you think that I've come to bring peace on the earth? Not at all. I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five people in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. There will be, uh, they will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then Jesus told the crowds, When you see a cloud coming in the west, you immediately say, There is going to be a storm, and that's what happens. When you see a south wind blowing, you say, It's going to be hot, and so it is. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearances of the earth and the sky, yet you don't know how to interpret the present time. Now that is so, so powerful and it talks about something that is actually so beautiful. You know, Jesus comes and he says, there is a fire that is supposed to come to this earth and he will be the one that sets, that, sets it ablaze. He will set it on fire. And then that fire will burn, will burn throughout the earth and it will bring a division. Now, you know, we preach the gospel of peace, but Jesus Christ said, he clearly says, you know, that there will be division uh, when it comes to the gospel. And the reason why I want to talk about this is I want to encourage you uh, in your heart to, uh, and I want to stir that flame inside you. I want to stir that gift inside you uh, because so many times we find that there's something pure that burns in our heart. And um, I want to tell you that which is pure that is burning in your heart will come forth out of you and it will be like a fire. And that fire will consume what is not of God. That is what will take place. And Jesus said that he wants to set something on fire. He wants to set the earth on fire. The passage actually says he wants to set the whole earth on fire. Now what is this fire and how does this fire work? Now Jesus connected that fire with his death. And I can read that to you again. Let us just see what the scripture says there. He says... Um, I've come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already ablazed. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and what stress I am under until it is completed. So he says that he's got a baptism that he needs to be baptized with. Uh, and this baptism that he needs to be baptized with has got something to do with a fire. And when he gets baptized with his baptism, it will start a fire in the earth that will bring division 
and it will bring fighting and it will bring all those things. Jesus even likens it here to a storm. He says, you see a cloud and then you know there's going to be a storm. You know, you, 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 you see that the wind blows in a certain way and you say the day will be hot. So in the very same way, Jesus said that he wishes that he could set this fire, um, you know, ablaze. And it has got something to do with his death. And that fire will bring division between people. Now, who of us wants division? Nobody wants division. And you know the Muslims, and I've listened to many debates between Muslims and Christians, and this is one of the scriptures they use to say Christianity is not a religion of peace. Because they say, how can it be a religion of peace if it brings division between people? But what Jesus was talking about here was he was coming and he was burning up the law system, and he was coming through his death and his resurrection, and he would come and he would say, uh, and he would bring forth a doctrine, and he would bring forth a truth about Christianity, that states that we don't need to be saved by our works and that God has promised eternal life to us and that we don't have to follow Greek philosophy, neither do we have to find, uh, follow Jewish traditions of the law of eat not, touch not, handle not. And all that people will do is they will say, I just simply believe upon the Lord. And that would cause arguments and fights between people because the one will say you must do it the other one will say you don't have to do it it's like the teaching on tithing and sowing and reaping you know when you when jesus came and he died and he rose again and he showed the love of the father what happened he revealed the truth about how the father provides for us and now there will be some people that believe that and they'll be set free and others will simply not believe that and they will say i don't now the heart of Jesus wasn't that there will be division. He knew that there will be division. And he was saying it in a way that people would know that when the truth comes and they see the division that, that, that there will be, that they will not be dismayed. They will not be at a place where they say, what am I doing wrong because I'm not accepted and I'm not loved. And I want to say this especially to, uh, to people that love to talk to others and share the gospel with people and you find that people will look at you and uh, they would look at you strangely and they would look at you, um, what are you talking about? And then they will distantiate themselves from you and you will not be welcome and there will be a division. And uh, especially I also want to talk to preachers that go to a church and they maybe preach the gospel or they put the message out there and you are accused of bringing division. You are accused of... Um, you know, breaking the place up or things like that. And you are accused of stirring. Now, I'm not talking about people who willfully goes to make trouble. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who, with a pure motive, go and preach the gospel and share the message of grace. And then all of a sudden, fighting starts through that. I've seen it in my own life, you know, where uh, I would come and I would preach and people will hear the gospel. They'll take it into the church. And then that church will go through, through some turmoil because the fire is coming into that church, the fire of the love of God, the fire of the grace of God, the fire where God burns up works righteousness, the fire where God burns up uh, you know, man's ability to try and be righteous before God. He, he burns up all that. He burns up, uh, he's come to destroy and burn up uh, motives that's not pure. And all those kind of things. And as he comes and he, he comes to burn that up by bringing the gospel, the true message, 
where it is about God, it's about His kingdom, it's about His love, and wherein He is the one that brings forth righteousness, where He is the one that brings forth holiness, where the will of a man um, and the ego of a man doesn't have any place, where the size of a church or the amount of money you have or um, those kind of things simply means absolutely nothing, where Jesus is simply everything. Uh, When that comes in, you know, you can find that some will really not want that fire. They would not want that, and there will, be, there will come a division. But I want to say to you that if you get persecuted for this message, or even not persecuted, you know, sometimes we say we're persecuted for righteousness, but it's not even persecution. It's just people being upset and rejecting us and uh, not showing affection towards us because of what we preach. I want to say to you that the gospel will bring something like that forth. It is not because God is angry. You must realize it is a fire that is purifying the earth. It is getting away all flesh. It is getting away all motives and everything that is not from God. And, uh, you know, we've, we've heard that in the, old, in the old. We've heard that in the past under the Lord teaching where, you know, there's a fire burning and God shaking the house and everybody that doesn't, doesn't live right, God's going to point them out, you know, and you're going to feel judged and you need to live right because the judgment of God is coming against. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is that if people have believed the lie for a very long time and their whole life is built on the lie, and the truth comes in, you will find that there are some people that will say, man, let me embrace the truth, and the truth will burn up all the lies, and the truth will bring forth a new life. It's like a field. You know, once in South Africa, we've got a certain uh, plant, plants here, f- flowers in the area called feinbos, and uh, they're not many places in the world. I think maybe in the south of Australia, there's a little bit of them, but it's actually just in this area in the Western Cape. And uh, when the fire comes and burns everything away, then you find new plants coming forth, and that's also the way the seed spread and all those kind of things. In the very same way, God has come to end the old. And when He comes with a message of His acceptance, the message of His love, the message of how you don't have to do anything to get Him to do something for you, when He comes with that message, it burns up the old system. I taught a teaching on the vengeance of God where I explain that in depth. Now, I don't want to go deep into that, but I want to uh, talk to you about Timothy. But I want to lay this foundation. So be encouraged. You know, if you're a preacher going about preaching the gospel of grace, um, you're preaching with a pure motive, uh, born from the gospel of grace, a motive that's born from grace, not a motive that's born from the law. You know, I've seen it so many times, and I'm speaking in the light of... um, preachers here so just make it applicable to whatever area you are in but in the light of preachers you know so many times our motives aren't pure we are preaching for money we're preaching for some some ego thing or we want a big ministry or we're chasing after certain things you know because the motive is not pure and it is so deeply rooted in us that we think the motive is pure but it is not even pure and the gospel the true message of love will want to set you free from that so that the ministry and what you do can be from a pure heart where you really just love people, where you're not trying to, uh, to do anything but that. It's like in our web church, we've got a program that we're going to uh, begin for people and just to help them to have fellowship. And uh, we will still uh, make this known to you and explain to you how it works. But what we said in our web pastors meeting is, 
we're not going to do that to get everybody in our web churches on our web page into groups or anything like that. We're not going to do it for that purpose. The reason why we're going to do that is, should there be people with a need for that, that they can have somewhere where they can go. And if there's no need for it in other people's lives, that's fine. It's just for those who've got a need for that and just serving people. And what a blessing to have the gospel, the true message, bring forth the life of God in us so that we can live pure lives, where we can experience the life of God in us, where it's not about anything hidden, where, where it's not uh, hidden motives or not pure motives or any of those things, but where the fire of the gospel of Jesus Christ comes and burns away all works righteousness and all the fruit of the flesh so that we effortlessly, effortlessly, pain-free, we can have the life of God and what He has. Earlier this week I made a message where I said we're going to only have the real thing and nothing else. And that is what this is all about. We want the real gospel. We want the real deal. We want what God has planned for us from before time. That is what we want. We don't want anything fake. We want the true, true message. So let me just read this quickly again uh, from verse 54. Then Jesus told the crowds, When you see a cloud coming in the west, you immediately say, There is going to be a storm. And that's what happened. And when you see south you say it's going to be hot and so it is so let us also determine uh, not just the seasons physical seasons but let us see what day we are in Jesus said it's a day where he wishes to kindle a fire and that fire is the fire of the life of God where his life burns up all death and where he brings a life and immortality and peace and joy as a free gift and he burns up all of man's understanding on how to get to that by his works. He burns up everything that is not pure. And he brings forth his life effortlessly. You see, we've chased after purity by our own works. And that is not what God planned for us. He's come to bring forth his quality of life free from our works in what Jesus Christ has come to do for us. Now, we're going to go to Timothy and I'm going to read this to you. Second uh, Timothy 1 verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve um, from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Louise and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in you also. Wherefore I put you to in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not you therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be you partakers of this afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, by which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, 
but is now made manifest, and this is the key verse, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, it's a long piece of scripture that I read, but let me explain what the Apostle Paul is saying there. He comes and he, he speaks to Timothy, which uh, by church history it's told that he was still a teenager, a young man, and Paul came and he, he said to Timothy, Timothy, you know, when I think of you, I am just so happy. Number one, I come to you in the hope of life, with the gospel of God's life. As, as verse 1 just says there, you know, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So he says that he is preaching to him according to the promise of life. So God promised life. What is this promise of life? Now I'm going to say something that is going to be like this storm. And we need to hear this and hear this and go and study this out for yourself. Make a study of scripture if you want to. Make sure you read the word of God though. There's a promise of life. Now if there's a promise of life, it means that there is not life. And what he's talking about in that life, he's talking about eternal life. Immortality given towards man. Now, when God comes and he gives us immortality, he comes and what that means is, it's also called eternal life. Eternal life brings forth immortality in the body. It means a life that's eternal. So that means that people that don't believe in him or people uh, without Jesus don't have eternal life. It means they will not live forever. And we're not just talking about the body here. Remember what we said in last Sunday service. We also talked about the soul of Jesus that went into Hades, the place of the dead. The Bible also clearly says the soul that sins shall die. The Bible says that the soul and the body can be destroyed in hell. So when we look at this, we are, say, we, we are saying something very radical. And that is that man by birth is not inherently immortal. You know, we would say our bodies is not immortal, but I want to say to you that man is not immortal inherently by birth. But that Jesus Christ promised us eternal life. And that the whole message of the Apostle Paul, the whole gospel is about this, what he says here. He says here, uh, uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So he said, my whole message is according to, or uh, is orientated from this thing, God promised us life in the resurrection of Jesus. Now you might say, Bertie, that is just unnecessary information, and why do we need to talk about that? That's just going to cause unnecessary turmoil and fighting. Now, I want to say to you what I've just said. Jesus said, I've come to bring a fire. And how I wish it is burning. Although it's going to bring division, what it's going to bring is the peaceable fruit of righteousness. It's going to bring my people into truth and it's going to destroy lies from their hearts so that they can actually experience what it is not to have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That word sound mind, don't study it out in the original, it actually means a mind that is restored, or a mind that is set back to the original, or it means a mind that is saved. So what he says is that the Spirit of God will save your mind. The Spirit of God will bring forth love in you. 
the Spirit of God will take away fear, fear of people, fear of what people will say or think, of, or even fear of death. It will take away all fear. That is what the Spirit of God will do. Now, when we talk about the Spirit of God, what was in the mind of Paul when he talked about the Spirit of God? Jesus Christ, uh, Paul comes and he knows that the Spirit of God is called the Spirit of Life and that this Spirit will quicken or make alive our mortal bodies. So, when Paul in the Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit or um, when he talks about the Spirit that is not a Spirit of fear, what is he talking about? He's talking about and what he has in his mind is the message of the resurrection. You can say, Bertie, I don't fully agree with that. Let me just read this passage to you again. <laughs> just verse 1. Very simple. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So Paul says that his ministry is according to the promise of life. That means everything that he thinks of is according to this very great love of God, which was mentioned by John, where he says, For God so loved the world that the world will not perish, that those who believe will not perish, but have eternal life. And those who has got eternal life, they will be raised up in the last day and their bodies will be made immortal for they've got that spirit that can bring their bodies into eternal existence. Or it's actually the wrong word. The right word is eternal life. But eternal existence will speak to our hearts, you know, where we can realize what it actually is. So when Jesus Christ died, he said, he said, man, I've got a baptism that I need to be baptized with. And it is a painful thing for me to think that I'm going to go through death. But there will be a resurrection for me. And that will be the kindling of a fire. You know the Bible, John, John said that he baptizes with water. But Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So he will baptize us with the spirit of life, which Paul was talking about here. Paul can, we can actually say it this way. He says, Paul an apostle according, we, I'm, apostle, I'm an apostle according to the, to the spirit of life or the promise of life. That is what my whole ministry is about. And I've come to you, Timothy, and I've come to strengthen you, and I've come to encourage you because I know that in your grandmother there was a pure faith and your mother was a pure faith, and I remember your tears, I remember who you are, I remember what is in my heart towards you, and I remember what I saw in you, and I saw that pure faith where you serve God with a clean conscience, where there's no hidden motives, where there's no agendas in ministry, where it's just pure, you're a kind of person that you stand for the truth, and if something's true, and it's the life of God, I don't care, but that is the truth, and I will have that truth, administer that truth in love to people. You know, Christians aren't troublemakers as in willfully going to make trouble, but the truth you believe in, the, in, the con in certain contexts when it's preached, it will, make, it will cause trouble. Not because the truth is troublesome, but because unbelief in that truth is a troubling thing. You know, it is, it, 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 it is, it can look like trouble but it's actually the truth coming in wanting to bring true freedom and you find the truth of God's love the truth of grace only brings trouble in the circles where grace is not accepted where truth is not accepted 
Right, so uh, Timothy, uh, and when we read on, we can see Paul says something here. He says that he serves God in a pure conscience. Now let me just explain that word pure conscience there. The word conscience wasn't used in the Old Testament once, never. It was not a word that they were thinking of. They were not walking in a consciousness, like a pure conscience kind of a thing. It is a word that comes from Greek philosophy. It comes from the Greek people, wherein they walked in a consciousness, or they were conscious of uh, that they were evil, and then that uh, and, and all matter were evil. They were conscious of their evil bodies all the time. But Paul comes here and he says he serves, the, he serves God with a pure conscience, meaning that he's conscious of how pure he is. Of, uh, he's not having that consciousness of I'm always evil and I need to try and conquer this evil by my good works. He says I'm not conscious of that. What my, my conscience is telling me is that I am pure. I am perfect. I see exactly what I need to see. That word pure there means to see perfectly. So Paul says, the consciousness wherewith I serve the Lord is from seeing the perfect plan of God, which was from the beginning. Which was what? And this is what Paul says. I'm serving the Lord and my whole ministry is about this life. So what Paul is saying is that there was a promise of life from the beginning. And God has come and He's taken dust from the earth and He's made this dust alive and He will preserve this life forever. And He had a promise that He will do that and that was God's plan. And that is what God has come and accomplished in Jesus. He's conquered death, He's abolished death and He has ended sin and He's come now and brought life and immortality to light through the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is what I'm mindful of and that is what I know. And he says that is a pure conscience. And he says what I'm conscious of is that God by His Spirit brings forth the fruit of the Spirit in me that God ends and He judges and rules against sin in the flesh. He is the one that condemns what kills me. He is the one that condemns what destroys. I'm conscious of that and I'm conscious that He will grant me eternal life. Uh, which means that um, since we are not born inherently with eternal life, but that eternal life is a gift, that I'm now mindful of that, and I see His perfect plan from beginning to end, which causes me to rest from all my works, for I know what He will bring forth. That is what it means to serve God with a pure conscience. You know, you cannot have a pure conscience outside of the finished work of Jesus. It is impossible. You will always be conscious of your shortcomings. You will always be conscious of sins and all those kind of things. But a pure conscience is not to be law-minded, but to be cross and resurrection and eternal life-minded. That is what he's saying. Now listen to what he's doing. He's seeing that Timothy is going through a hard time because there is persecution and there is people that's against him and people that... And you know, he looked at Paul and the Apostle Paul, which was like his father in the Lord, if you want to call it like that, in jail all the time, being beaten all the time. Now imagine, you know, my son is in university and his dad is in jail every now and then because he's preaching the gospel. <laughs> I mean, you, it is something that can cause you to be ashamed. It's like my dad is in the news again 
some is being locked up again. Some people are saying he's making trouble again. People are against my dad and all those kind of things. It will not be easy for them. And that is what the Apostle Paul is addressing here. And he's coming and he's saying to them here, uh, to, to, to uh, Timothy here, he says, uh, in verse 5, he says, When I call to remembrance the, the pure faith that is in you, in other words, that, that, that unfeigned faith there talks about pure motive faith that is in you, talks about a revelation of what Christ has done in the heart, believed. He says, Which dwelt first in your grandmother, and also in your mother, and I persuade in you. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance of what? Of this faith. That you, because if, I, if you can remember the original faith, what will happen? You will stir up and fan into flame this gift of God. That word gift there in the Greek means a grace ability of God, which was given to you by the putting on of my hands. Now what is he saying? He's saying to Timothy, listen. I see the true persuasion was in your grandmother and the true faith was in your mother. And I know that true faith is in you and I want to remind you of this faith because if I bring this to remembrance to you, what will happen is it will fan into flame the grace that was upon you when I laid my hands upon you. Now, in those times, what they did, and you can read this in Acts 13, verse 3 as well, Paul came, or people came and laid hands upon Paul, and then they sent them to preach the gospel. So in other words, what happened was, they prayed for them, and then that fire of the gospel from there went to burn wherever he went. And he burnt up Judaism, and he burnt up the uh, false religions of the, uh, the Greek philosophers, and he burnt up the heathens' false gods, and he and he burned all of that up, and what it brought forth was life and immortality and joy and peace, freedom from works righteousness, a message which is so powerful that it can actually uh, satisfy the flesh with eternal life and bring to death the works of the flesh and mortify the works of the flesh, see it as dead, and bring people to a place where they can love and have peace, and have joy, and righteousness, and really care for one another. Because it takes away everything that will destroy people. That is what it brings forth. And it says to Timothy, listen Timothy, you know, you are in a place where you've got threatenings around you. You are in a place where there's difficulty around you. And I want to tell you this, I want to remind you of the pure faith that I believe is inside you. And that will stir up this gift that was... Uh, uh, upon you. Listen, Paul was not saying to Timothy, become radical, you know, and stir up those gifts. Th that is not what he was saying. You know, he was not saying to Timothy, listen, pull up your socks and start to preach. That's not what he was saying. He was saying to him, I remember, and just look at the purity of the Apostle Paul's heart here. He says, I remember the pure faith in you. And I will remind you of that pure faith. What is that pure faith? He just starts off in verse 1. My whole apostleship is about the message of life, you know, and, I, and that is what he believed was pure faith. The apostle Paul believed it was the faith, and he believed in the faith, and he says, I saw the faith in your hearts, and I want to remind you of that, because if you can have the message of the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that promises us eternal life inside your heart, 
what, it, what that will bring forth in you, it will bring forth a message that will burn again like a fire. And it will kindle that fire. Those coals will come and will bring uh, into fire again, flame up this message which will burn uh, with love, which will burn away what, that which cannot produce love in people, which is the law, which is works righteousness. You know, God is burning away false doctrine. Why? Because He wants His church to exist forever. Because His kingdom advances forever. And there's no end to His reign. And there's no end to His rule. Now, He goes on in verse 6. He says, Wherefore I put to thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now listen to this. He says, I'm reminding you of the original faith and I trust that the original faith is in you and I want to bring it to remembrance. And that is how you, by being reminded of this, will have this fire burning in your life again because this message of the resurrection and of life and of the spirit that will quicken our mortal bodies and bring life to us, which is a message wherein we don't bear the fruit by our works, but where God brings forth the fruit by His spirit of life, by the promise of life, where the spirit of grace, the spirit that creates is in us, that spirit is not timid. And it cannot bring forth timidity in people, but a boldness. And you know that word timid also, one of the meanings for that word timid there means to be of unbelief or weak faith. So what he says is, I want to remind you of the truth. I want to remind you of what was in your heart because that will stir, stir up a fire. It will burn away all, you know, in your area because the context there was the fire of evangelism and the fire of spreading the gospel and speaking the truth, not being afraid. He says that fire will start a burn in you, you know, and it will bring, and it will not just burn in you, it will burn in your area, it will burn in your ministry, it will burn through you. That fire that Jesus says, I so wish to kindle, which was his death and resurrection. That is the fire that burnt in the early church. That fire burnt so much that they threatened the people that they will kill the apostles if they preach that message. What a useless threat. They're threatening people who's preaching immortality. They're threatening people whose God can raise them from the dead. They're threatening people that has raised the dead. You know, that's who they are threatening. You know, their threats has got no power against the message of life. And those apostles went and they continued to preach. Why? Because of the persuasion, the pure faith in the heart. So I want to say to you that, that he comes to Timothy here and he says to him, Listen, Timothy, I want to tell you that as you are reminded of the true faith, that is in, the, in your heart. I'm talking about the... And, and let me put it this way. You know, I've met with many people. I've looked in my own life and I'm not pointing a finger, a judgmental finger. But all people's faith is not pure or unfeigned. And a faith wherein the truth is seen. I remember my own life and I can testify from my own life. My faith has not always been pure. You know, in other words, I, didn't, I, I believe in the Lord and I preach the gospel, not always for pure motives. I didn't even know that my motive wasn't pure. I saw it later on as the Lord delivered me and set me free. There was a time when I would preach and pray for the sick and those kind of things, especially in the early years of my ministry, where I would so greatly testify of every miracle because it was actually a victory for me. 
because I got another one healed and I got another one healed. And it was just a difficult life. And then I would, you know, you, you would go and pray for the sick and your ministry would become an evangelism healing ministry. And wherever you go, you're always under the pressure to perform miracles. You would see a lot of miracles, but you will be under that pressure to perform that. I mean, guys, is it okay if I just speak honestly and the truth, just the way it is, and just have pure faith, you know, and just be honest and say how things, things are? There was a time when, you know, when you would preach and I would preach in the early times, you know, when I was still under the law, especially under the law, you know, you would preach with having an offering in mind. It's like the one preacher said to me, he said to me, Bertie, you know, um, I said to him, I don't have uh, 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 church services in our local churches over December. We close down for the whole month. He said to me, so how do you pay your bills? Now, I'm not like, listen, I'm not pointing a finger and saying, yeah, you bad pastor. I'm not saying that. I'm testifying of also what, has, what I've been part of. You know, so he's talking, you know, th th that, is, that is still a law-based faith. That is not a pure faith. That is not a faith that is born from the finished work, of the real finished work of Jesus, where your identity is in the finished work. And he says here to, Tim, to Timothy, I've seen in your gra grandmother and in your mother, and I believe it is in you. I see this pure thing. I see you're a kind of a person. If it's true, you'll say it. If it's true, doesn't matter what, you will stand for that truth. And then he comes and he says, I want to remind you of that true faith. I want to remind you that I'm an apostle according to the promise of life. And I want to remind you of this faith because this spirit will bring the fire to burn again. What fire? Fan into flame the fire of what? This, uh, uh, let me read this again. He says, let me... Um, he says, wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. That word gift of God there means grace enablement which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. So he says there, he says, I've laid my hands upon you when I've sent you to preach the gospel. I've sent you as a minister of the gospel. Why? Because of the true belief that was in your heart. I felt that you believed the truth. And it was so pure to the Apostle Paul that he said, you must go and preach this. And I send you to preach this gospel. And I want to remind you of this true faith. And I want you to have again that, that preaching and going, setting ablaze the, uh, the, the place with the gospel, the fire of Jesus Christ, which is the message of the resurrection. And I want you to be reminded of this true faith, which is the message of God's love, of how He took away the sin of the whole world, of how we are included in Jesus, of how we stand pure and holy before Him, of how He's loved us from the beginning of time and before time, how He's dreamt our lives, how He sees us as His dwelling place, how He sees us as His own kind, as His own being, how we are in the image and likeness of God, the very dwelling place of God, how we are the heaven of God, where, where you can know all of that, where He conquered your death, where you believe that, where you believe in His resurrection and the spirit of life. He says, when you're reminded of that, I want, you to, I want to remind you of that and then I want to see this gift of preaching the gospel the, where I've sent you to preach, where that goes and where the fire that Jesus kindled burns in your area and in your life. He wasn't saying to Timothy, you know, you better, you must, out of nothing, take up your commitment and serve the Lord. He was not saying that. He was causing 
life in Timothy by reminding him. And listen to what he says here, what the Spirit brings forth. He says, For God has not given us a spirit of resurrection that brings forth fear, but it brings forth strong belief, um, strong power, and also it is a spirit that brings forth love and saves our minds. Now that word power there is the word dunamis. Now the word dunamis simply means uh, to have something manifest from existence, from your very being. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, we don't have a spirit when we're trying to obey from the outside. We're having a spirit wherein we are looking at God and we are looking at what He's come and He's bringing eternal life to us. He's bringing eternal life to us and that will, from our existence and from our being, we will have life again. That, that is what it means. Amen. Isn't that good? That is good. Glory to God. Amen. So I'm going to ask something. Is there something wrong with the camera there? Okay. So I just see that I thought it got stuck or something. So I'm um, sorry about that. Um, you know, when we look at this, at this life, I just find that we, Christ has come to bring forth the resurrection life in us. He's come to bring forth the, a life in us where it is his Spirit strengthening our faith, His Spirit bringing forth a life that comes from existence. We exist as people that love and is kind and all those kind of things. That is what that Spirit brings forth. Amen. Now, for the, for the, um, for the crux of what I want to say here, he says in verse 9, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to own purpose of grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But this grace has now been manifested by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light. So what he's saying is, he's defining grace. That is what he's doing. He says, listen man, we have been saved according to the purpose of God, wherein we live by grace. And this grace was now manifested through the appearing of Jesus when he abolished death and brought life and immortality to life. So what is the grace of God? The grace of God is God's influence on man where he influences us to have eternal life and conquer all sin and all death by his influence through his death and resurrection. That is the grace of God. That is the grace of God. So he comes and he says, I want this grace gift to be stirred up in you so that you will not be afraid of what people say about you. Because this grace gift that's stirred up in you is stirred up as you are reminded of the original faith, the true persuasion of the death and resurrection of Jesus, wherein he showed forth grace, and that grace was to conquer death and to conquer sin by the very doing of God. That is grace. People, grace is not defined in the shallowness of God saying, well, I will not look at your sin anymore because I've punished Jesus. That is not grace. That is a man-made way of just explaining God is good, which can bring some form of joy. 
But grace, if you're preaching the gospel of grace, you are preaching the message. True, the true gospel of grace is the message of life, the message of immortality, where God takes people that aren't inherent immortal and grants that dust that He made alive and He says, I will preserve your life eternally. It was my plan from the beginning that you will have eternal life through the Messiah, through Christ the Son of God, through God's doing and not your own. And that life was brought into manifestation by Jesus. So, in conclusion, this is what I want to say. The message of life is a fire that burns that can cause a lot of turmoil. Um, the message of life is really going to cause havoc in the circles where the gospel was preached as who wants to go to heaven and not preached as who wants to live eternally. It will cause absolute havoc. It will be a fire that burns. But I want to say to those that hear this message and feel that they can be persecuted by that and all those kind of things, I don't want to go and say, go and preach boldly. I'm not saying that. I'm saying to you, uh, I'm going to preach a message that's going to remind you of pure faith and that will stir up a spirit inside you that will burn away all fear, bring boldness. It will bring it will save your mind to think the thoughts of God and bring forth the life of God and you will also have the life of God inside you not from the, um, the not inside the parameters of beholding an external commandment where you just obey laws but you'll have it from your very being that is what you will have you will have it from your very being from your you will exist as a person who's got the life of God. That is what it will be. It will not be you chasing life. It will not be you chasing good works. You will exist as a person of love. You will have, you will exist as a person of kindness and goodness and peace. Glory to God. Isn't that absolutely beautiful? So, know this, that there's nothing wrong with the gospel of the life that there is in Jesus Christ as a free gift, if we experience that some folk are against us when we say that, and when we are called names, and when people are against us. Paul the Apostle even goes on, if you read on from verse 10 onwards, he, he goes on and he says, it is for this gospel that I am persecuted. And then he says, come and let us take, let's take part in the sufferings of Christ for this truth. Now, I don't say let's, let's have a martyr spirit here. But when we are witnesses, what are we witnesses of? When we say we are witnesses, what are we witnesses of? I think that will be a good verse to end this with. Um, let me go and read from Acts, in, in the book of Acts. I must just find the verse. You guys must just, um, excuse me a bit there. Um, I didn't plan to say this. Uh, Bible. Book of Acts, chapter 1, so where they chose, um, they says, then, verse 12, then they turned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, where near Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, and they journeyed away. And when they came into the city, these men went upstairs to the room where they had been staying, Peter and John and James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot. 
and Judas, the son of James. With one mind, all of them kept devoting themselves to prayer, along with women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And that time, Peter got up amongst them, where there were about 120, and said, Brothers, the scriptures had, um, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago, uh, through the voice of David about Judas, who was um, the guide for those who arrested Jesus. Because he was one, the one, uh, I'm sorry about that, it says, because he was one of our numbered and was appointed to share in, in this ministry. Now, now this man brought, uh, it talks about Judas, I just want to find the right verse, I'm sorry about that. It talks about from the beginning of, of Jesus' baptism until John the day to perform this. Therefore, someone like this must become a witness with us unto this resurrection. Verse 22, it says, Beginning when he was baptized by John until the day he was taken up from us, therefore, someone like this, somebody who was with Jesus, they're looking for a new person to testify here, a new apostle. And what they're saying is, let's look for somebody who was at the baptism of Jesus and the whole three years also walked with us, but wasn't acknowledged as an apostle. And let's take him to replace uh, Judas. And listen to what he says there. Therefore, someone like this must become a witness with us to his resurrection. So he says that let's get another witness for the gospel. What is a witness? A witness is somebody who testifies of the resurrection of Jesus. That is a witness. So we are witnessing, the re of. if we say you're a Christian and you're a witness, what are you witnessing of? A witness is not somebody who preaches and says, who wants to go to heaven? That is not a witness. A witness is somebody who says, I am a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm testifying of the resurrection power of Jesus, which came and I'm serving, uh, I'm preaching this, for this is what has happened and this is the truth of old and what was recorded in the Bibles and accurately documented. And I am preaching this resurrection and I'm here in the hope of me being resurrected and this spirit of life that is on the earth has been poured out on all flesh can also quicken your mortal body and should you believe upon this truth when you believe upon this truth the spirit of life this fire enters you burns away your death in the here and now burns away your sin and the power of sin in your life and you will have eternal life and immortality that is a witness that is a witness of the gospel that is a Christian that is what it's all about so the apostle Paul comes and he says you know and Jesus said I so wish that the whole earth would be ablaze with this fire. I so wish that the whole earth would be ablaze with a message of life. Um, and I have to go through a death and that will kindle the fire and will start to burn in Jerusalem and it will be burning all over the world and will burn away all unrighteousness. It will burn away all death. I want to say this to you. God is not to come and take the church away from the earth. He's not going to do that. What He's going to do is He's going to take, He is, He has in Jesus come and brought forth his kingdom in the earth and his kingdom is manifested in the earth and we're declaring the kingdom that God has brought forth in the earth and his spirit is burning away unrighteousness from the earth and his spirit, the last thing his spirit will do and the last enemy that will be conquered is death and the only thing that will be alive on the earth is life and people that's flooded with the life of God and all death and all misery and everything shall be removed by this 
spirit of life which, has, which we have access to through the preaching of the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, my message to you is this, church. Let us not be afraid, but let us be flooded with, uh, with power. How? By being reminded of the true faith. For this spirit of life, this message of the spirit of resurrection shall bring forth in us, will take away all timidness or fear and will produce in us a life from existence, the existence of God, wherein God will exist inside us and we will, we will not do good works, we will exist as people that are born from God and having His life free from our works. And it will bring forth soundness of mind. It, in the Greek it means to save your mind. Glory to God where you can only think the thoughts of God. Isn't that absolutely powerful? So let us not be afraid to go through the sufferings of Christ. Meaning not that we suffer so that we can be saved. But the persecution and those things that we'll go through when we preach the truth. Jesus said, if they hear me, they'll hear you. And if they reject me, they'll reject you, for no one is greater than his master. Glory to God. Amen. I want to thank you so much for listening, and I trust that you, you are encouraged with us for the time to come. And, you know, uh, knowing that there's a radical message going out that is contrary to traditional way of looking at things, but where we can see the life of God, for we're not going to settle for anything less but the authentic life of God, for we want to live by the power of God. We want to live by the power of God. We've got a spirit of power. That power means dunamis. We want to live by existence, not outside commandments and willpower, trying to live a good life every day, but being born from God. Thank you so much for watching, and I trust that this has deeply encouraged you. Amen.